Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money. And today we are taking you on a musical journey. Jeff is going to have an interview with Ruby Vale. 
and the Soulphonics, a cool band that you should check out. Ruby's caught an amazing voice, and I am so in love with her sound now. So if you are new to Ruby Vale, hopefully you enjoy this um, interview with her and listening to a few small clips of her music. Music this week, we have a band that I just recently wrote an article on and actually debuted their new uh, video and their single. They're a soul band out of Atlanta called Ruby Vale and the Soulphonics. And I just love them so much, we just had to have them on the podcast. I think you guys are really going to dig them, uh, dig their sound, and you're going to dig uh, our conversation with Ruby here. So, we chatted with Ruby recently about their evolving sound, their new album that's coming out in 2017, and the tribute that they have for their adoptive city of Atlanta, which is featured in their new video. So with their new single and video, Try It On A Smile, Ruby Vale and the Soul Phonics aim to add their talents to the new wave of American Soul, American Soul 2.0. I think you're going to really dig your, our conversation with Ruby. Uh, it's a lot more about just music or about just being a singer. Uh, she's just really interesting uh, conversation about life and about what it takes to actually become a singer. Or it, it, it could transfer to anything, not just being a singer. Could be could be an artist. Could be any dream that you're kind of chasing. This is a band that's really kind of chasing that. She has a second career, so I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation with Ruby Vale and the Soulphonics from Atlanta. So tell me a little bit about Ruby Vell and the, the Soul Phonics. Who are you guys? Um, so Ruby Vell and the Soul Phonics are a sweet Southern soul band, and we like to follow in the footsteps of some of the greats that have come before us. Uh, we get a lot of comparisons to uh, James Brown, Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, um, Sharon Jones, and the Dap Kings even. And, uh, you know, I think, we as a unit have kind of evolved our sounds into bringing a lot of diverse influences. So it's like soul music with a modern twist. And that modern twist comes from a lot of our backgrounds and influences and the diversity that we have as a band. So you get something very unique when you listen to the Soulphonics. And uh, I think it's, it's something very classic, um, but not retro. If that's, if that's, um, a good way to describe it. But yeah, we started in Gainesville, Florida over 10 years ago. And then, Oh, I'm so sorry. I have an alarm going off. <laughs> um, we started, you know, 10 years ago in Gainesville, Florida, and now have evolved in Atlanta for the last um, almost 10 years. So it's been a long journey and a wonderful one um, to be making soul music in this way and be on the brink of our next releases is, is really exciting. So why did you guys uh, choose uh, soul music? Uh, I always say it kind of chose us. I've been influenced at a very young age by early uh, Beatles, early Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, even folk singers like Joni Mitchell, Paul Simon. 
And somehow it always ties back to soul, I've found. And some would say it also ties back to old school country music, which I can't deny, um, you know, also came from the church. So, so much of it was embedded into my childhood. And I think some of the other members of the band as well. So it was just an easy, um, heartfelt kind of notion to start making soul music. Um, so you have an interesting journey to becoming a singer. So, and you didn't start out being, becoming a singer and that wasn't your first career choice. Um, how did you fall into singing? What was your first career choice? (laughs) Um, well, I'll try to keep this brief, but (laughs) I initially went into college after high school. Um, It was when CSI was very popular on TV, and I really wanted to be a forensic scientist. And so I, like, got really into gore and blood and guts, and um, I realized that I was absolutely horrible at chemistry. It was just not how my brain was going to work. So I opened the course book, I think, like, freshman year, and I landed on design and advertising, and I said, okay, great. Well, I know that... I've always wanted to sing since I was eight years old, and I come from a very, um, I'm not going to say rigid background, but just a background of you can have your talents, but you should also have as high of an education as you possibly can. So I knew that I was going to have to go to school for a while, so I just chose something that might be able to help my music in the long run. And advertising design, marketing, branding has been a phenomenal backbone and, and plan B, if you will. Uh, to go alongside of the music career. And that's something you still do uh, as well as uh, music, right? Yep. I'm currently sitting in front of my two nerdy monitors here at my work from home station. Um, Yes. So it's become a great tool for me to be able to go out and tour, have time to write music, uh, you know, make my own schedule for the most part. But um, it took a lot of trial and error. And it also took a lot of full-time work at agencies in order for me to get up my client base and for me to meet people in that respect for me as a designer. And how did you fall into singing and, and why did you choose to chase singing? Yes, I guess I'd never finished answering that question. No, that's um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got into singing through my aunt and my uncle. They were a huge influence on me. Um, my parents, I'm of East Indian descent. My parents are engineers and nurses and my sister's a pharmacist. So all very professional and Um, You know, while those fields have creativity in them, nobody in my family was a creative musician, per se. So I think the influence of my aunt and uncle coming in as adopted, they were adopted from, um, uh, uh, they're originally from Great Britain. Uh, They're essentially white folks that were adopted into my Indian family by my grandfather. So there's like a story right there of like overcoming, you know, so much to make the art happen, you know. (laughs) So anyway, long story short, they played me all sorts of records and I just heard soul music and I said, okay, this is something that I'd like to do, but not specifically to soul. I listened to, you know, early R&B and a lot of folk music, like I said, classic rock and stuff like that growing up. And then eventually I I made my way into choral programs. So I was in all girls choir, all state, things like that. Um, And I just always kind of kept it as a hobby. And then when I got to the University of Florida, um, I met there Spencer and Scott and a wonderful guy named Wester Joseph, uh, who's an amazing guitar player. And he kind of gave me the confidence that I needed and the tap on the shoulder to say, hey, you know, you can sing. Why don't you just try out for this band that I'm in? And he was uh, actually in the previous version of the Soulphonics, which was called The Elements. And that's some 
old school trivia on us. But um, he said, you know, go ahead and try out. So I did. And then we changed the band name and it became uh, Sulfonics and Ruby Vell for a long time. And then after the first, uh, on the release of the first album, it was changed to Ruby Vell and the Sulfonics. And that was 2012. Um, so, yeah, it's been my heartfelt project for an, over a decade. And, you know, we've all stayed really committed to making the best music that we can with the best message for its genre. You know, it's important. Soul music has always been important. And I think now more than ever, we're seeing that it's not going anywhere. Right, right. In fact, it's probably even growing a little bit more, too. Yes. And and by that parameters, it's, it's growing sonically as well. Mm. You know, you have... I'm always citing Hiatus Coyote and how much I love their approach to, to what they do with soul. And I think it's just a testament to the genre. You can be classic and authentic with it. You can go left field and go, you know, jazz, free jazz. Um, it's just more of the emotion behind it that really truly makes it soul music. Right. Um, and you guys chose to live in Atlanta over some other big uh, music cities. Why did, why did you guys choose Atlanta? Atlanta is about creativity. It's about inclusion um, Atlanta has been a really great incubator for us to grow, you know, having an eight piece band, there are a ton of financial aspects and the South is generally a lot cheaper than some of the other cities in the U S. Um, so financially we did look at that and, um, you know, we had done a lot of stuff in Florida and just knew it was time to move on. And, for me, what brought me to Atlanta was the creative school, the creative circus. That's where I got my training in graphic design and visual arts and branding. Um, excellent school. They pump out so many creatives, and it's just such a wonderful, I'm not going to say lucrative career, but it's just a wonderfully creative and full career. So I, I really had to like give love to that school for helping me like get to this point where I'm freelancing and also creating music. Um, but I kind of lost track of your question again. <laughs> uh, well, just why did you guys choose Atlanta? Oh, um, for a number of reasons. I think fiscally it made sense for us to keep our costs mm-hmm. down. Um, Spencer, as I said, he owns his own studio called Diamond Street Studios. And he sold his car in order to do that and set that studio up there. And in a lot of places, the car wouldn't have been enough, you know. So he was able to really maximize on his space and his equipment. And that allowed us to be able to easily record anytime we want to the point where we get overly picky and our work takes a while to put out because we have full power to tweak it as much as possible. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's one reason. I think another reason is like the people here. Like I said, they really there's a reverence for creativity. There's that opportunity i think a lot of times that isn't available in other places in other cities um and it just seemed like the the natural way for us to spread love just coming up from the deep south and going out into the world do you think that you know it is a hotbed for so much that came before us james brown sharon jones everybody that you know has been in and around augusta in these pockets of Georgia with incredible music, they have all had some serious struggles to overcome. So there's something about being here and being in that energy. And I talk a lot about that in the interview we did with the the bitter Southerner, which is a popular publication here in the South. Um, it, it really touches on what it is, what the essence of it is that we're here, why we're here. 
Right. Do you think that's why Atlanta's become uh, really kind of a hotbed for millennials and young people to kind of move there? Yeah, I think I think the inclusion, the low cost of any kind of startup idea or low cost of housing is helping. I think the advocates here, we have Georgia Music Partners, we have Choose ATL, we have organizations that are tied to the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce, then the mayor's office, and the tourist boards that are all deeply investing in entertainers. And not only just entertainers, but also people in film production. You know, we've seen a, a huge increase in that industry here. Mm. Like just across from my house right now, they film movies all the time. So... We have a lot of advocates for our, the millennial generation of creators. And so I do feel like it is working and people are hearing that Atlanta is a great place to be. And I hope that I've had some kind of effect on that because I've worked on a number of different initiatives for the city because I really do believe in it. And it has helped me in so many ways, not just um, not just as an artist, you know. Right. Um, well, with that, also, it, there's lots of articles written about how entrepreneurs can learn from musicians. Do you see mm. yourself as an entrepreneur? And has that how has that shaped your music career? I absolutely do and always have. I think I understand that music in our current paradigm is based largely around the business aspect. I think you have to really have a tenacious zeal for writing and getting the songs out there. Um, so that's something like that I kind of need to work on, you know, like I can spend a lot of time on the business side some, sometimes, and that's great. But immersing myself more in the creative side is something that I constantly need to remind myself to keep going and to get back to and to focus on. So, you know, I think in a lot of ways, there's all these tools available to us, but if we're spending all our time using these tools and not creating our artwork, then, you know, there's kind of a vicious cycle that ensues. Right. Well, I mean, it could, it could be just a full-time job just to be a freelance um, designer, let alone if you're trying to be a, you know, a singer as well on the, uh, on the side, if you will, but that, they're both basically, basically full-time jobs. Absolutely. They are. But, you know, I think we do it I know we do it for the love and we do it to be able to spread a positive message. I mean, sometimes we do have songs that are, you know, based on somebody's heartbreak that I wanted to write about or based on somebody's deadbeat husband or, you know, like we have those kind of songs, but we do try to focus what we do to be um, artistic, socially, social change from an artistic perspective, I think is, is where our brand of soul music really shines. What were, um, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I tried to focus on that from a design perspective mm -hmm. as well as from, you know, how we sound and, and our sonic vibes that we're putting out. Right, right. Well, because I, I think so many times people think of soul music or you know older fifties or sixties music as just kind of you know teeny bopper fluff kind of music, but you guys and some others are making a little deeper music, but with that that still that still sound. Absolutely. And I mean, we're not the first ones to do it hmm. by far. I mean, I would cite Stax Records as probably some of the most influential soul music that you'll hear. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think just doing this at the moment, <laughs> it seems so critical, uh, you know, with everything that we're going through, that we rely on music, we rely on arts, we rely on safe spaces, you know, to, to kind of help us along. So 
I'm very excited for the show tonight at the Earl. It could be a time for minority women like me to crouch and hide, and I'm not doing that. <laughs> what What were some of your influences uh, growing up um, that you decided to uh, become a singer? Um, I have quite a few. At the top of the list, I'd have to say, is uh, Aretha Franklin, and just underneath her would probably be D'Angelo. <laughs> And then underneath him would probably be Led Zeppelin. So there's like such a mix even just between the three. Um, But those were early influences for me. The Beatles, Ani DeFranco, like I said, Paul Simon, Curtis Mayfield, Queen. My dad loved Queen so much. He played so much Queen growing up. Um, I don't know. Just that 60s and 70s era to me is the sweetest spot of music. I feel like. In every genre, they were just so expressive and so able to move people. So I really try to, like, whatever I'm doing with the music, it needs to be a movement for people to connect with. Right. Uh, and I think that that era got it really, really right. Yeah, I, I would say I would say so as well. You guys are working on, on a, a new album right now, too, and you have a new single and a video out. So tell us a little bit about uh, the new video and the song and then also the album coming out next year. Awesome. Well, um, the video is quite an amazing feat to uh, release. It released exclusively on Axis.com, and it's called Tried on a Smile. And we posted it, and... Uh, at, at the second we posted it, we also realized that it was World Smile Day and National Smile Day. So it ended up being this amazing story of, you know, just bringing a smile to people's faces for no reason at all. There was, this was like pre-election or pre, you know, voting. And everybody was just hanging out and needed a smile. So we posted this video and it was really awesome to see the response from people and how much they enjoyed the song. Um, the song was written by uh, my bandmate and trumpet player. His name is Jason Collier. And um, it's one of the few songs that I didn't actually write. I've written the majority of the songs with uh, Spencer and Scott. Uh, and then we let Jason take this one. He wrote it in full and we loved it. So we turned it into a song, recorded it at Diamond Street, and then created the video with a local production company in Atlanta called Black Green Gold. And so that just came out recently. And if you haven't seen it, everybody, please go watch because it will bring a smile to your face. And it's like some really good straight ahead classic soul. Yeah, no, it's a great song. And also the video alone, too, showcases a lot of what Atlanta is all about and their creativity and stuff. Absolutely. There's so many creators here that deserve and are warranted, you know, more credit and, and more uh, amplification, if you will. Right, right. Um, and then what, what's, what's one of you, – you talked about feeling in your music and stuff like that. What's one of your favorite things about playing live and, and uh, connecting with, the, with your audience? I would say essentially it is that. It is that moment of connection with the audience that I absolutely crave and love. It's a moment where there are no colors on anybody's skin. There's nothing but giant big hearts in one room, and they connect in a way that I've never experienced before. So having that feeling again and again and again and again is something that I always want (laughs) for myself, and I know that it creates good energy around it, so it's essentially for others as well. But yeah, I mean, 
it's no different from being an entrepreneur and having a product that you want to touch lives and change lives as well. So I, I think that there are so many parallels, at least between the social entrepreneur and being an artist or a musician. And I, I, I really can't separate the two because I have the same intention long-term with my design skills and my branding skills as an entrepreneur as I do as a musician. So it all, it really does essentially come down to the love and the energy of spreading that love. Right. Well, and with that, um, do you have any pearls of wisdom to give any other, uh, musician that is really wanting to break free and trying to get into the business and stuff? I would say try to get management early. I didn't have any idea that management was going to benefit me so much because I was always thinking, you know, I got this, I got this, I can, I can wear these different hats and manage these relationships and, you know, do it all, but you can't do it all. So find somebody that you love and that loves you and that believes in your music early as possible because they'll be able to help guide you. And, um, I regret not doing that earlier. Right. So that's right. probably a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thanks and, Kristen. Love you. Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> well, and also too, that, that you have somebody else kind of doing a lot of the work for you, but then you're still managing all the creative stuff. Right. And also I will add, you know, my bandmates and I, the three of us, we came up as business partners in units. So there's plenty of work that's done on their end too, mixing, mm -hmm. mastering, arranging, you know, helping with branding. So we've been a, a good working team for a long time, but I wish that we would have had a management entity mm -hmm. to kind of oversee the three of us as, as, as partners, uh, early on. Um, that that's just one thing, I guess, structure related, but everybody's band or musical entities is set up so differently but you can always have an ally and always have somebody that's trying to help push your music forward. Well, tell us about that. You, so how many uh, members do you have in the band and how many members are, are you guys of, of the management team, if you will, that, that kind of create everything? So there's seven to eight in the band and there's three um, partners of the LLC. The creation of some of the songs has really shifted. On our first album, It's About Time, it was really the three of us. Um, and, and this second album, we've opened it up and this single, we've opened it up. So there's been more of an inclusion on the writing side from, uh, more of the members in the band. Right. But, but the reason we keep the partnership small is because a lot of people in the band are career musicians and have other projects themselves. So we're not trying to keep them tied and, and, you know, trying to keep them focused on one project when that's not really their reality. Right. And that's, I mean, it's really a, a small business is what you're running too. Absolutely. So it, we're answering that question of is, is musicianship also entrepreneurship? Right. It absolutely is. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, are, are there any bands that you're listening to these days in Atlanta? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, there's quite a few. We've had, uh, Gringo Star around for a long time. Very kick butt band. Uh, my favorite is Claws. Um, they're some of the nicest people you'd ever meet and make amazing trip hop, um, psychedelic trip hop kind of music. Um, it's really, really, really good. We have Little Tybee. We have Adron. Uh, we have Bosco, which she's also in New York, but I always, she's like been one of my main influences here on the scene. Um, really powerful singer songwriter. Um, 
you know, there's just so many on the scene that I, I can't even list everybody. But I did work on an episode that's on PBS called Music Voyager. And it has um, people like Killer Mike in it and uh, Christian Bush from the Bush Brothers. So it really gives a sense of like the depth of character in the music genres that are active in Atlanta. Yeah. So if anybody wants to check that out, it's online. It's on our um, Ruby Bell and the Soulphonics uh, YouTube page. Um, and it really gives a good insight into what's going on in Atlanta on the music scene, food scene, fashion scene, you name it. Um, but that's been really great because I got to tip my hat to Claus and they got to do the episode after I did. And they were on the episode with Janelle Monet. So that was like, woo, because, you know, she's Atlanta's sweetheart. For sure. Right. Yeah. I, I highly recommend watching that too. It's a really cool show. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it was great. It kind of all came together in one week in November and I actually got to write for some of it and uh, come up with the segments and send out call sheets and <laughs> pretend I was a production assistant. <laughs> uh, so it was awesome. It was a really great experience for Atlanta and it's brought a lot of good things um, our way and the band's way by being part of it. And I think they shared it in 22 other nations. So uh, it's got a large reach. And a lot of us, just a lot of people that have seen it, uh, finding out about Sulfonics for the first time. So bring us to your country. We want to play for you. (laughs) Um, So last question I have. uh, If you could spend an hour with one of your musical heroes, who who would it be and what would you guys talk about? Oh, my gosh. What a question. It's like picking your own favorite child. You know what? I'm going to say Tina Turner. I would love to sit down with Tina Turner and just see how it was to be a woman of such proportions in such a limited thought society. And and just learning from what she's had to go through, I think, would help me immensely on my journey. Right. So, yes. And also how she danced in heels for that long, because I can get down in some heels for a while, but they come off right after a show and i don't know how she did everything she did <laughs> like that. I, she seemed she seemed like she always be the type of person that'd be working out in her heels too you know because that's why she has that big stacked body and stuff yeah she's just <laughs> the most amazing thing yeah and her level of strength and compassion and forgiveness for her journey is just so mind-blowing to me i read her biography early early on from same from my uncle he always had records and books about musicians and stuff like that. And um, I just started reading about her and was mesmerized ever since. And I know she's really into Buddhism and meditation, which is also a huge part. We didn't touch on that, but spirituality and and spiritual readiness is a huge part of being a musician and an artist and an entrepreneur. So, yeah, I think she's the perfect pick. Right. to sit down with for so, sure i think that's a good i think that's definitely a good one uh, <laughs> tina <laughs> so uh, uh if anyone wants to when, when people want to find your, your music or your videos and stuff like that where do they go to um ruby and the soulphonics.com it's our website that i run and have made myself <laughs> and uh you can find everything you need on there we're also on facebook and active on instagram uh, so those places are probably the best to keep in touch Awesome. Well, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I can't wait to speak with you later when the album's out and get your thoughts on it. Yeah, absolutely. 